0: It is well with my soul. I uh, really didn't plan to say anything about that, but that sort of goes along with the, the message that I have today. How is it well with your soul? Now, y'all know the story behind that song? I didn't plan this, so I'm just sort of flinging it off the hip. And you know I can't remember names, especially from a guy from the 1800s. But in short, that song or the words to that song was penned when a man had, had taken his family and they were going across the ocean, bye-bye, have a good time. Uh, they were going to have a good time, or they're going to have a good time. The family was going across the ocean, and uh, the, something happened and their ship sank, and the guy and his wife and his, his children were lost at sea and died in, that, in, the, in the ocean. Well, not too long after that, the man was crossing across the ocean himself. And uh, the, the captain of the ship had known that, uh, that the guy was on board and had lost his family. And, and about the time they got to the spot, he just sort of called the guy and said, this is the place where the ship went down for your family. And uh, this is where they was at. This is where you lost everything that meant anything to you. So he went down below the deck and he penned the words of this song, It is well with my soul. That's tough, isn't it? Yeah. That is tough. But what a what a message, what a what a what a song that we sing and is beautifully sung. Thank you, choir, for that. But the message behind the song, well, what a meaning there is to it. How do you have a, a, how can you sit and say, I've lost my family, I've lost everything, it's important. Everything in my life is going crazy, but it is well with my soul. See, a lot of times today, anybody ever had any problems? Okay, I think we all have, so I'm talking to a great, good crowd this morning. Any of you ever just felt like, Wow. I just can't do this. I just can't keep going. I I can't I can't do that. I'm not able to do this, Lord. Why are you? Or maybe why are you? Do, or maybe God's punishing you for what you're doing. Anybody ever felt that way? God, when will it be that I will do something you will like? Anybody ever said that other than me? All right, come on. rest of you are lying. Some of you are telling the truth. When will it ever be? And, and see, I believe that's a, a tool of Satan that he uses to defeat us and to bring us down. And I, I've said before and, and I, in my messages, and I just sort of throw it out there. I said, you're saved by grace, live by grace. Well, this week I was asked, what does that mean, Brother Kenny? How do I live by grace? What, what are you talking about when you say that? Well, I'm going to answer that question for you this morning not fair for me to just throw something out there and expect you to understand it, but if we're saved by grace, we are to live by grace. So we're going to talk about that some more. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 3, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 3 through 11. If I'm saved by grace, how do I live by grace? Can y'all hear me all right? Okay, good. All right, let's just read that right now. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be in the to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And and such trust you have through Christ to Godward. Uh, Not that you're sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our efficiency is of God. Who hath also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit? For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven on stones, was glorious, so the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which the glory was to be done away. How shall... Not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious hath no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that, ex- that excelleth. For if that which was done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious." Father, as we study your word, Lord, this is a difficult passage. This is a difficult difficult way of thinking for us, Lord, that you love us and bestow your grace upon us. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you that you made it so very easy for us to to just accept you as our personal Savior, believe that you died on the cross for our sins, and we are saved, Lord. It wasn't easy for you, but it was... but it is for us. And we thank you and praise you for that, Lord. But where we fall short, where we struggle is in our daily life. Lord, help us to see the truth of your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say. You'd help us to understand, to hear those words, and to be doers of those words. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So what does it mean to live, be saved by grace and to live by grace? First of all, to be saved by grace, we've got to sort of understand what that's about. Uh, How do I access God's goodness? How do I access uh, God's grace? The same way I'm uh, saved and justified, it required me to humble myself and by faith accept him. It says, without faith is impossible to please God, Uh, uh, to humble myself. What does that mean? When I hear the message that, that that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, what does that mean? We're all sinners, right? We all fall short of God's glory. It don't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. How good? See, we we try and we strive and, and to to do a good job and and in in the in the face of God and according to His standards, none of us can live according to His standards. I've told you before, the law God never expected you to live. Oh, everybody. He never expected you to live the law. The law was something for to, to as an example. It was a standard. I am God. I am holy. This is what I demand. Now do it. He didn't do that. He said, This is me. You can't do it. You need a savior. So Jesus came, he died on the cross for his sin. He fulfilled every jot and tittle, every aspect of the law perfectly. And so by faith, we accept Him as our personal Savior, our mediator between God and us that died in our stead. When something that we couldn't do, He did it for us. And He says, if you will believe that Christ died for your sins on the cross, believe that God raised Him from the dead. I'm paraphrasing now, Romans chapter 9. But you believe that in your heart, you will be saved. And many of us have done that. Uh, and and, and so we we get to this point where we say, okay, I I have to humble myself. I have to admit that I cannot do it. I need help. I need and you know it it's a hard thing and it's hard for me. I'll tell you when I'm working on something and and trying to do something. One of the hardest things for me to do is to say, hey, I need help. I don't want to do that. It's in my oh I can do it. I used to tell people, tell my son all the time, if some other knucklehead did it, we can do it. Y'all with me this morning? That's our nature. I can do this. I can do it. But then when it comes to the point, of I can't do it. I got to ask for help. I don't want to ask for help. I want to do it. And a lot of times that's what we do when we're trying to reach God. Everybody says, oh, there's a way to God. And some people will tell you, oh, any way you want to go, you can get to God. God says, no, it's not any way you want to go. It's only through Christ. He says, no, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. All right, you understand it? So that's salvation. So, we, so it's a big pill for us to humble ourselves and say... God I need you I can't do this so by faith uh, I, first of all I, I hear his, his message of, of for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and so I have to humble myself and say I am that sinner I am the one that's come short of his glory and then the Bible goes on to tell us in, in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death See, he's talking about a spiritual death, the wages, all that I could do that Isaiah says, all oh my goodness, everything that I can muster up is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. Everything that I could do. It's sort of encouraging this morning, isn't it? It's very encouraging. We'll get down into that in a minute. He says, "But the wages of sin, the, the, the payment for sin is separation from God. Those who could not keep his standard, keep his law. Uh, those who wanted to try and do it on your own, the end is death. The law, Paul tells us over and over through his, through his epistles that the, that the law could do nothing but bring death. All that you try to do to bring death and, and separation from God. But in Romans 6:23 the second part of the verse he starts out saying the wages of sin is death its separation of God but there's that big but but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus what is that gift Jesus Christ We all got that right No problem Yeah y'all are quiet some everybody got that okay maybe I hope you got that I pray you got that but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I accept him as my personal savior I'm saved so I've humbled myself I believe that if I accept his free gift of salvation by faith I trust him to have faith means I'm trusting in another so I'm trusting in God that, he, that through Jesus Christ that's my way to heaven right we're all there Hopefully, we've all got that. But then, after we get through with that, we say, okay, now that I'm saved, I got to get back in here and I got to, ooh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. There's 630 of them if you really want to go by the law. 630 and some change. Try keeping all those you can't do it and we try to live our Christian life saying okay I'm saved now I've got to meet God's standard anybody else there come on be honest with me this morning I need to know that this is the message I mean I had a message all week pretty much most of the week that I was going to preach on and it's not this one this one came this morning it's 6 o'clock this morning God says okay do this I said whoa wait a minute I got this one ready It changed, and I I don't know why, but I want to know that that what I'm telling you is going to be helpful to you. I want you to understand uh, I I believe it. God told me to do it, so I'm going to believe it. So we humble ourselves, and by faith we trust Him. And as I said, we we begin to walk our Christian life and think we've got to revert back to the law. Paul talks to the Galatians in uh, chapter 1 of Galatians he says oh foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that's pretty strong terms if you don't know Greek I don't know Greek but it's still pretty strong in English oh foolish Galatians what is he talking about they had been saved they had received the Holy Ghost they were born again Christians and then these Judaizers come in with their law and said oh this Jesus stuff is okay it's good but you've got to live by the law too if you ever want to see God you've got to live by the law too if you're ever going to please God and Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who has told you a lie? Who has deceived you? You can't be saved by works. You can't live the Christian life by works. Hey, Brother Kenny, you're just sort of out there. I've been told by a bunch of preachers that if I'm saved, I better act like a Christian, right? So we try as we might and we fail. What does that do to you? everybody just try to live the Christian life and can't? Now, I'm not talking about thou shalt not kill. We got that one. And they, thou shalt not steal. And thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm not talking about all these. We got all that. I'm talking about when things go bad, it is well with my soul. Because the first thing when things go bad, God hates me. Right? I've done something wrong. He wouldn't let me do this if I hadn't done something wrong. Come on, y'all. Anybody guilty? Come on, it's confession time. Get real with yourself. Every one of us do that. That's what's in us. I just can't please him. You're right. You can't please him. Hello? Wow, y'all are quiet this morning. I cannot please him, not in and of myself. I'll never please him by living the law because I'm gonna fail. I am full of mistakes. Ask Robin. She knows all about my mistakes. Every day I struggle, every day I get, you know, uh, forgive me, but Trish told me yesterday, he said, I'm glad I went out there to the dairy farm and saw Kenneth's anniversary and can I share this? All right. See, she, 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 had her own her mind exactly how it needed to be done, what needed to happen, and it didn't happen that way. And boy, she said, "Brother Kenny, I'm glad you showed up now because I wasn't very Christian like earlier." All right? We all do that, right? We're all guilty of that. We all come short of the glory of God even after we're Christians. So what do you do? There's no hope, right? That's where you're wrong. There's plenty of hope. You are saved by grace. Live your Christian life by His grace. By His grace. Live it by grace. Don't live it by the law. You're not ever going to measure up. Let's talk about that a few minutes. It says when you were saved, uh, uh, Paul talks about that you became partakers of the grace of God. That means that to be a partaker don't mean that you just said, oh, that's pretty neat. When I partake of food, it goes in my body. And I'm tasting it. And I'm consuming it. And I'm digesting it. And it becomes useful to me inside. He says, We are partakers of the grace of God when I am saved. It comes in me, it consumes me. It's what I am, it's what makes me up. And in Hebrews chapter 3, he says, For we believers have become partakers of Christ. Sharing, uh, that means we're sharing in all that Christ has for us. Now, this is the amplified version. Those who are King James diehard, I'm sorry. But this is a good explanation of it. Share, and that means he's sharing and crawl that Christ has for us. Uh, if, we, if only we can uh, hold firm our newborn confidence, which originally led us to him. What's he saying? What's he saying in that verse? Where, uh, when we are saved, we become partakers with Christ. He says, that, and when we're saved, then we hold firm that which we believe, that which we have confidence in. Uh, I, if I accept Jesus, if I confess to him in my mouth, I make him Lord of my life, he will save me, right? Everybody understand that? Nod your head, yes, you're awake this morning, right? Wow, I think you're awake. He saves me, and when I die, I don't say I hope I'm going to be in heaven. John, 1 John tells me, five thirteen, 13, I believe, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. God's promised to me that if I accept him as my personal savior, I am born again and I'm on my way to heaven. I became a partaker of that. And I have full confidence and assurance that when this body gives up and they lay me in the grave, that's not me. I'm going to be in heaven with my Savior. Everybody got that full assurance? I'm going to wave your hands out. Do something. Shout. Amen. This is good stuff. This is good. This is amazing to us. And if, he says, if you'll hold on to that which led you to them. He said, after you're saved, that same humbleness, that same faith, that same assurance that you've got salvation, that you can have that same assurance to live out your Christian life. He said, but I just can't do it. You just told me I couldn't do it. You told me I could never please him. I did. I absolutely did. But let's, let's look it them down. Uh, while it is said, well, no, let me go on. Down. Let's go back to our text. Let's go back to Second Corinthians 3. So now you're saved. You're living your life like you, uh, by faith. And re- remember that. That's the key words here this morning. To humble and to have faith. To put my trust in him, Right? That's how I'm going to live my Christian life. Let's look at our text. And you may read this text. and When I read it to you, you're like, what in the world has this got to do with this as well with my soul? What has this got to do with, look at the verse. Let's just break it down. For as much as ye were manifestly. Let's stop right there. I'm in 2 Corinthians 3. 3. What is manifestly? That's a big old word, isn't it? You got to know the Greek to figure that out, right? No. To manifest means what? I'm revealing or something is revealing the truth of something, right? Right? Y'all are tough this morning. Miss, Miss Tony's got it. I seen the hat waving back here. Either that or Jack's hot and she's waving him with her hat. I don't know. But as we are manifestly. We are the manifestation of Christ. And it says d- to, to declare the epistle to Wait a minute, let me get this. Declare to be the epistle. For as much as ye manifestly declared to be the epistle. What's an epistle? It's not a pistol, it's not something you carry on your side, all right? Epistle is a letter. The epistles of Paul, the writings to the churches. He says, You are the writing, you are the letter. You are manifest mani- uh, manifesting yeah, you're revealing Christ. Can he say it right now? You are manifest manifesting Thank you. Why that wasn't? It was somewhere back here. You are manifesting Christ in your bodies. You are the lettered. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? I am Christ's letter to the world. It's not, it's here. He tells us how to buy it, but he said, if the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you in Christ in you, I will manifest myself to the world through you. You're his love letter. Hello. Isn't that good? So let's look on down. If I'm his love letter, I fail miserably. I fall short. I'm not doing it right. But look what he says. We're the, so we're manifesting Christ. We're his love letter. We're the message of Christ ministered to us, not written in ink. He goes on to explain that. It's not written on a tablet, it's not written down on the pages of this Bible. He says, not, but by the spirit of the living God. How many of you know when you are saved, God, Holy Spirit comes within you? Amen. If you don't know that, know that. Know that. His, when you are saved, he puts his Holy Spirit in you to teach you, to reveal to you, to show you. All. He says, I will write my law on their hearts. That's what he's talking about, the Holy Spirit. What I want them to act like, do like, be like, treat other people like. I'm putting it on their hearts. It's no longer on stone tablets. It's no longer written on paper. It's in their heart. You ever been and done something and you just said, I just don't think I ought to do that. I know everybody else is. I know that's the end thing. But I just don't think I should do that. I don't think that, I don't really say it, but I just don't think that, that might just be the Holy Spirit within you revealing to you something about God wants for you. Okay? So that's his law that he put on your heart of the living God. You are a living message of Christ. You go to not on stone, not of the law, not of uh, fleshly tables, But uh, he said in the last part of that verse, but in fleshly tables of the heart, you are a living message of Christ is what verse uh, three just said there. If you want to summarize it, he says, and such trust when you were saved, what did you, what, what did you trust in? He said, you are the living messenger of Christ and such trust. What's he talking about? Trust in Christ. The one you're the messenger for. The one you're the manifestation of. It is him that does it in and through you. To reveal to you. To to give you a song. It is well with my soul when everything is going wrong. It is well with my soul when people don't like you. It is well with my soul when I do things wrong because I know that, my God, that God loves me and gave himself for me and he wants to reveal himself through me to the world. It is his job to do. So I trust him just like I trusted himself for salvation. I trust him to live my, my daily life. Are y'all getting this this morning? To live by grace It's not my job as a preacher to stand up here and tell you how to live. It's my job as your preacher to introduce you to a loving relationship with a heavenly Father that loved you and gave himself for you and didn't stop there. He gave you his Holy Spirit to help you live with that. Okay? That's what I want to do for you. I don't want to stand up here and give you a bunch of rules. And regulations that you can't keep, that will only lead you to depression and discouragement because you didn't do it. There's preachers all across this nation that do that every day. I'm not going to be one of them. That's God's job. So, there's my introduction, pretty much, right? So we trust in God uh, that we have through Christ's word. Uh, Let's move on to verse five. Look what it says here. You say, okay, I'm saved. I can live in my Christian life. I can do this. I can go out and witness. I can do be a godly example. I can do all these things. I can forgive. I can forget. I can show compassion verse 5 says you can't not that we are sufficient of ourselves stop thinking that you can and and it's not to to say you're real useless I'm not telling you that stop thinking you can because you know what when you set standards and you set goals and you don't meet them guess what happens you get discouraged right Trish set a goal yesterday and she didn't meet it. She got mad. Then she got discouraged. And then she felt bad for getting mad. Because she set a standard. And all along, I, I don't know why God did that. I, don't, I mean, it wasn't her fault. She tried with all of her might and it didn't happen. But I believe for some purpose, some plan, God let that happen in her life. I don't know who she met, who she was a witness to along the way, what kind of disaster God kept her from. But a lot of times we do that. You know, I'm running late. I know that surprised y'all that I would ever be late. But I'm running late and I'm just mad. I can't. Every red light I got behind a tractor trailer down this highway today. Uh, Why is he out on Sunday morning? I wanted to know. But I don't know what God is protecting me from. And many times when I do that, I get down the road and a wreck has just happened and it looks terrible. If I'd have had my way, it would have been me in that wreck more likely. Maybe God was protecting me from that. Maybe God was leading me to another direction. I talked about with other people about things happen and and God puts people in your place that you didn't plan or you didn't want, but you see God work and do wonderful things that you never would have saw had you done it your way. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He's in control. And we trust Him for that. The sufficiency is not of me. Look at the second part of verse 5. To think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is in who? God. Is he sufficient? When you were saved, was he sufficient? Was his word sufficient enough to give you confidence of salvation? Why isn't his sufficiency enough to give you confidence to live the Christian life? Why is it enough to, I mean, he could save you. He could put the world in the place, but he can't help you live the Christian life. You've got to do that on your own, right? You'll be defeated. You'll be discouraged. Understand that God puts things in our place for his purpose, for his plan, and and uh, we cannot do it in and of ourselves. Let me just say right there another conversation I had and one I've had in the past what about somebody does you wrong what do you do with that okay I need to forgive him. Bible says I need to forgive them forgive 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 you tell yourself every day to forgive I don't want to forgive that was bad they just don't know what they did to me forgive 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 forgive, forgive. and then you feel bad because you didn't forgive How do you trust that person again? How do you trust that person again? I've been asked that question before. So I was done, maybe done wrong or whatever. And and he just, how can you build trust again? Now we're talking about Christians, amongst Christians. Now unsaved, they don't know nothing about it. You know how I got through that? When I forgived and, and I knew how to build trust again? I didn't trust that person. I trusted in the God of that person. The sufficiency's in him. And if that person is to hurt me again, guess what? God allowed it is the way I see it. That don't make me stupid. That don't make me dumb because I oh, I did it again, strike you know two strikes, and you're out. We say all that all the time. But the way I've learned to trust and to overcome is my efficiency is in him. And if he allows me to go through it again, he allows me to go through it because I didn't learn it the first time. And if they're a born-again Christian, the Bible tells me if they're his child, he'll correct them. It's not my job. And he'll take care of that again. I don't have to worry about it. And when I do that and my efficiency is him and that I'm trusting him to, to take care of the situation that I'm in, boy, does he ever. And then I learn to trust him even more. I learned that he's got all things in his control and I don't have to worry about it and fret about it and wonder should I, could have would have His efficiency is in him. Are you getting this? Is this making sense? I know this is tough. You know, Peter even said this was tough. Uh, Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. He talks about Paul's letters. And he even says in there, Paul's letters were tough for him to to comprehend, to take in. This is tough news for us. I know that. That's why I'm taking so much time and trying to go slow and do my best to explain it to you that if you're saved by grace, please live by grace. Man, it'll do a world of good for you. It'll do a world of good for those around you. A lot of times we're saved by grace and and we got this. I I can live and I can do the Christian life and Matt, you better too. That's, it, that's the way we do it, isn't it? Do you know Christians of all people should be the most forgiving and compassionate and loving and graceful-filled people in the world, but we are the most ruthless people there are, if the truth be known. We think we're Christians and we live up on some kind of high standard that everybody else ought to adhere to because we've arrived. And the truth is so far from that. The truth is that I am a sinner saved by grace. I am living my Christian life by God's grace. And I shouldn't expect any more of you than that. I don't set a standard for you. You don't set a standard for me. God is the standard. Why don't we love one another and care for one another any more than we do? Why does the world not want to come in there? They don't want to hear what we got to say. You know why? Because so many times we stand on street corners and beat our Bibles and say, God hates you. You're going to hell because of what you did. I'm on my soapbox now, ain't I? That's not the God that I know. The God that I know, and I'm just going to quit. I'm not even through with it, but i i got to quit. But I think that might be a good place to quit. Live by grace. You're, God, you're Christ's love letter to the world. Are you showing love and compassion, or you just got your Bible beating on it? Saying God hates what you're doing, and you're going to hell. Is that the message we want to give the world? The truth is, God hated what I did, too. He hated my sin until I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Then my sin problem was taken care of. I'm living by his grace and by his love. His sufficiency in my life to do and to live every day like he wants me to live. And if I get stepped on, I get beat up or all along the way. I mean, look at Paul. Did he have any problems? I mean, he went to prison. He was beaten several times, bit by snakes, snake, shipwrecked. Uh, What else? I mean, all all these other things for the gospel of Christ. He did nothing wrong. But look at, we still today... Study his letters to the churches. We still today try to figure out what he's telling us about God's grace and how the law kills and how God heals. Do you get that? If you're saved by grace, stop trying to live by the law. Live by grace. Humble yourself before him. I'm a sinner just like everybody else in here. And God loves me just like he loves you. And God loves those people out in the world just like he loves me. And Christ died for them just like he did me. And I'm no better. I can't stand a certain standard. It's his sufficiency that helps me walk every day to tell the rest of the world of his love and his grace and his mercy. Living by grace. That's what God wants us to do. He resists the proud. See, the proud says, I can do this law. The proud says, I can live this life. But the Bible tells you he resists the proud, and it gives more grace to the humble. That's what interests God. The only thing you'll ever do to please him is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then after that, Christ works in and through you through the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that he has for you. That's living by grace. Understanding that. And that doesn't happen overnight. You can't just say, okay, this morning, I broke in. Now on, I'm living by grace. Guess what? It's a big, long road to learn that, to understand that, and to get away from this law concept of living the Christian life. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you. Lord, we, we we can't even really comprehend your grace and your love. Lord, in that why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, that's just not within us to even comprehend. But Lord, you said it. We believe it. We see it experience it in our lives. And we praise you for it. We thank you for such great love, for such great mercy for such great grace that you bestow upon us. Lord, help us to live our Christian lives, walk every day by your grace. Help us to humble ourselves and to trust you and have faith in you that what you say you will do. Lord, that you are, we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for your glory. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for your goodness today. I thank you for each and every one that's here today. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would just speak to us. Help us to live what we have heard today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.